0: If you have your Bible tonight, we are going to go to Luke 13. Luke 13. Some of you are like, wait, you said last week we're going to start a study on Philippians. And we are. But I actually had the whole outline done for this first service. We're going to take the book of Philippians over four weeks and break it down chapter by chapter. But when I realized that the month was turning over and next Wednesday was going to be share. I didn't want to start that and have to stop it, so we're going to start that, uh, it be the 14th, uh, September 14th, we'll start a study on Philippians. So I encourage you to, to attend that, and we're going to dig deep into the book of Philippians. And so with realizing that, I just began to even think and pray, God, is there something in particular, is there something special that you want to share with the body tonight? And I believe that there is. And a lot of this word that I'm going to share with you, and we're even going to have a time at the end where we just pray and consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Um, because I think we're in that season. I think we're in a season where there's a lot. I and mean, I'm talking, when you're a pastor, understand there's always something going on. You know, a church of this size, there's always something going You know, in somebody's family or, you know, somebody's not feeling well or even dealing with major illness or something's always going on. But I have noticed something over the last few months is that a lot of people, as I'm talking to them, are in really, really fiery trials and battles. And I was praying about that Monday night and then even had, you know, something else happen personally for me last night late in the evening to where I, I just thought, Lord, what is going on? But can I encourage you tonight? It's through those fires that we grow stronger. It's through those challenges and difficulties that God is fertilizing us and causing us to be fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. And a word came forth Monday night, that, that a vision actually that somebody shared with me here in the congregation. I'm, I want to tell you I love that about the body of Christ. When we come together, we should all have a piece of the puzzle, so to speak, and God be speaking to us in what he's showing so that we can all have a part to play in moving in the Holy Spirit and being able to see what God is doing in a broad sense here in our community and obviously here at Christian Center Church. And I thought the vision was powerful. I thought the vision was beautiful. And I thought the vision was was challenging. Um, To me personally, because when I read it, I took it a certain way and even felt impressed by the Holy Spirit of, yeah, that's what I'm saying to you, but when you share this, God may be speaking to you in in your own way, but the vision was, was incredibly powerful. We had a wonderful prayer meeting Monday night. We do those every Monday night. We spend time in worship, and then we just kind of feel led by the Spirit, come together, and we pray for different needs of the church. And It was at that time, I think towards the end or right before we all gathered together, that This person saw a a vision of the Lord, and the Lord was in a large glass case. And the edges of that case were very defined. And in the defining of those edges, and that's the word that the person heard in their spirit, was there's very defined edges. So when I read that and, and began to pray, my first thought was, be careful of putting God in a box and what this person felt impressed, and this is the direction I'm going tonight, is not only don't put God in a box, but God is offering himself to the people of this congregation in a very intimate and personal way. He is reaching out to us. And a lot of times, in the word that came forth is that we want to put Jesus in a display case. And we want to observe him from a distance. And we want to say, wow, look, look at, God doesn't belong in the display case. He belongs deeply, intimately involved in your life. And I believe that many people, and if you're not, you'll certainly go into one at some point, many people are in a real, very intense, heated battle. I have personally been in one for about a year. And it's taught me a lot and it's, it's, it's refined things in me because when I'm going through a battle, one of the first things that I begin to do is I begin to, first thing I ask is, God, am I reaping something I've sown? I think we, we neglect that angle of, of understanding the principles of, of the Spirit and understanding that sometimes we're just walking through some, some good old-fashioned reaping, of something we've sown in the past. And when I, when I pray and the Holy Spirit's like, no, that's not it, then I ask God to search my heart if there be anything in me. So I pray a prayer of consecration of saying, God, you know, search me and know me. And, and there's areas of my life certainly that you would like to change and challenge and those type of things. And when the Holy Spirit comes back and he says, no, that's, you know, that's not what you're walking through right now, finally get to the point, and we need to understand this about life. We are in a war. We are in a spiritual battle, in a warfare, and if we don't understand that, if we don't know that spiritually, then a lot of times we can become casualties of that war when God doesn't want you to falter or fail. In David's life in particular, we see the principle in David's life that he slew the lion and he slew the bear before he ever got the Goliath. And you're in a season perhaps where you feel like, Literally all hell is coming against you. And it very well may may be the case. You may just be walking through a season where it's battle after battle. And it seems like this is happening and that's going wrong. I want to tell you tonight, it's okay to not be okay. (laughs) I don't like that fake Christianity where you walk through the door and you've literally just been beat down by the world and beat down by a circumstance and beat down by the enemy. And we all come together and we put on that fake Christian grin and smile and say, boy, isn't God, you know, and he is good. It's okay sometimes. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Because we have a God who has given us spiritual principles. He has given us, and this is what I want to say to you tonight. This is completely from my heart as I've prayed all day long about what I'm going to say tonight. He has given us keys to the kingdom, y'all. He has given us keys. He tells us that I have given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. So in those seasons when you're facing them, it's a real temptation sometimes just to throw up your hands and say, I give up, or God, this is just the way it's going to be, or this sickness in my body, I guess this is just what you've blessed me with, or whatever it is. I want to tell you tonight, we serve a faithful God. We serve a good God. We serve a powerful God. And we serve a God who is literally in the time that we're in. If you will apply yourself in this season, God is literally, as the Bible says, He's, he's training your, your hands for battle and your fingers for war. There's a, there's a level of training that you will find God will bring you through in different seasons. And I've come to the conclusion after the battles that I've fought over the last year personally The battles that I fought after the last year, I've gotten really excited lately. I have. Because if I'm fighting those battles, what is coming around the corner? And that's the word that God is giving to the intercessors of this church, to the people who are in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. And he's impressing that upon me over these last few weeks and even months. And I came to tell you tonight, there is breakthrough for you individually. There is breakthrough for your family. There is breakthrough in the spirit in this church. Because we are not to live defeated lives, church. We are not to live lives where we're scared of the enemy. If anything, he should be scared of a church that's finally hopefully waking up and not putting Jesus on display. So isn't isn't he nice and isn't he cute? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, y'all. He is a God who has more power in his pinky than what we could ever fathom or imagine. And you are tapped into that power. So we don't go through life looking at life and the circumstances and saying, I guess it's going to overcome me. You need to stand up and say, I'm going to overcome this circumstance by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There's power in what you're saying. There's power. And I found myself too many times lately I even asked the Lord. Can I be honest with you? I asked him recently after one particular thing. I said, God, are you trying to kill me? And he said, yes. He is. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about he does want to kill off any part of you that's hindering your breakthrough. And most of the time, if we want to evaluate what's hindering our breakthrough, because that's been my biggest challenge lately. And I'll share all these things. You wouldn't believe them if I told you. I shared them with somebody that said, you need to write a book. I said, I do. I do. I do. I need to write a book. But as I've evaluated these circumstances, as I've evaluated the challenges, as I've really sought and asked the Lord, just been heartfelt honest with him in those times. Has anybody ever felt like, God, you've just forgotten me? You've forgotten my circumstance. You have you forgotten what I've asked and what I've prayed? Because that's how I started to feel, because I've walked through a solid almost year of very particular certain things that I have brought to God and believed in faith and said to God, God, this is this is what I'm this is my petition. It's a prayer of petition. And what I've learned is nobody else can pray your prayer of petition. I can't have faith for your breakthrough. I can agree with your breakthrough. And the prayer of agreement is very powerful. But understand that you have to find and and extend the muscle of faith. I think the church is so atrophied when it comes to faith. Do you understand your faith is like a muscle? If you do not use it, and what you're going through is building your spiritual muscle, much like, again, David did when he fought the lion and the bear. When he got to Goliath, his faith was strong because he even said, Hey, I serve the God. If he can kill a lion through me and kill a bear, he can certainly take off this giant's head. So the giant that's in front of you and what has been bothering me is I'm now in April 20 20 years of full-time ministry. Twenty five of walking with the Lord in a very deep, personal, on fire way. I've had my valleys and my mountaintops, all everything we all go through in that length of time walking with the Lord. But I, I'll tell you this, I have I've never had to lay hold of God in a way like I have over the last year. And it really started bothering me because I'll be straightforward honest with you. Most of the things that I've prayed for previously in my walk with the Lord have happened within days or weeks. Yes. I'm talking days or weeks. And the Holy Spirit's just been been kind of, kind of putting in me that, Jason, what's ahead for this country? What's ahead for the church in the United States of America? What's ahead for you as a family, you as an individual? I'm bringing you into these things to bring you through these things so that when you get on the other side, there's stuff that's hindering you that's going to be burnt off. And you're going to have a greater level of faith on the other side of what you're walking through. Because it was bothering me. I'm like, God, you know, again, have you, have you forgotten? If, you know, I, again, I evaluate my life. Guys, is there anything displeasing? Is there anything that I'm. That's where we should all start because God is always trying. In other words, I just asked him, Are you trying to get my attention? And when the answer came back of no, the, you know, you're a target. Everybody in here is a target. Of the enemy, and if we're not aware of that, if we're not realizing that, if we're not thinking in those terms, but I will tell you this: what you're walking through now is preparing you for the breakthrough that He has right in front of you. And we had a word from Doctor Contende just a few weeks ago, and if you were listening, he felt from the Spirit of the Lord for this church: it's time, it's time to see the victory, it's time to tap into the power of God that you. Feel like, man, I can't go another step. There is power available for you. There's the spirit of God that is available for each one of us. And the things that we walk through and the times that we face an obstacle. So if there's a breakthrough, and that's what I feel like the word of the Lord over this church right now in this season is for me personally, but certainly for everybody in here. And again, if you're not in need of that breakthrough now, at some point you will need a breakthrough in the Spirit to get you past because that's how the enemy works, I believe. It's, it's biblical. You see it all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. When, Of course, when Jesus was ministering, the enemy was always trying to come against him, whether it be through religious people or whatever area it was. But when you come up to a place that you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you just can't quite break through... I want to encourage you tonight that there are keys of the kingdom. And the keys of the kingdom are very plain in front of us in Scripture. And here they are. When you need a door to open that you feel like should be opened by the Spirit of God, you feel like should be able to walk through that door, here's the keys. Again, they're they're very, I won't call them simple because we all know once I say these, they're not. It's giving, prayer. And fasting are three main keys. There's certainly other ones, but I think those are three of the main keys. When you need a breakthrough, you can use the keys of giving, fasting, and prayer. If Listen to me. If you've been up against something and it's just not moving and the enemy has set up a defense and the enemy I think sometimes kind of says, you know what, they've gone far enough, I'm going to stop them right here. I'm going to make them ineffectual in their prayer life. I'm going, to, I'm going to make them ineffectual in their witnessing to their neighbors and to their co-workers or to their family or whatever it is that he's trying to hinder us and stop us in. I want to tell you tonight that if you've been praying about that, let me give you one of the keys that will get you to a place of breakthrough. And that's called denying, this old stinky thing we have called the flesh. It's called Fasting. Denying yourself and you say, well, yeah, I quit watching TV for a week. You can't eat your TV. <laughs> fasting is not putting something in your mouth. That's what the biblical word meant. And again, if you say, man, I'm, fast- I'm fasting on social media for two months, God bless you, good. We probably all could use that fast. I'm talking about denying your flesh so that your spirit begins to rise up and get back in tune with God. Because even the vision and the things I was sensing on Monday night is God is walking through the aisles of this church and he's visiting people and he's extending an invitation and saying, I want to utilize my power in you and through you to the world that's lost around you. Because let's face it, that is really the main goal of this church is to see people saved, to come into the kingdom, and to see you delivered from the things that are hindering you from walking in a blessed, fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. That's the scripture we're going to go to in just a minute. Just a blessed and fruitful life. What the Holy Spirit, he speaks to some people and shows them visions you know, and feel his power. I guess I'm a little more simple. You want to know how the Holy Spirit spoke to me recently? I'm going to talk about this in the Philippians study. He used a Charlie Brown cartoon episode. <laughs> Have you seen the episode where Charlie Brown's got a bow and arrow, and he, he pulls it back and he shoots it at the side, this wooden-sided thing, and, and it, it, it lands, and when it landed, he would walk up and he would circle the arrow. And Lucy, of course, Lucy's always there to give Charlie Brown a hard time, comes over and says, I don't think that that's what, the way that it works. You're supposed to draw the bullseye first, And then shoot into the bullseye. And the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me and he said, you're shooting arrows all over the place against the enemy, but you don't know where to hit him at. I said, Lord, give me revelation. If you're getting shot at by an enemy, that shooting at you actually is a favor If you're struggling in an area tonight, it's not, God didn't allow that struggle for you to be defeated. He allowed that struggle to identify where the enemy is operating still in your heart and in your life, and He wants you to overcome it and wants you by His power to shoot the arrow, to swing the sword of the Spirit, if the sword of the Spirit is a double-edged sword that divides between joint, if it can get inside of the situation and begin to divide what's lies and what's truth and how to defeat the enemy and to take up our shield of faith, when Ephesians 6 begins to tell us, having done all to stand, and it's interesting to me, even in the Scripture where He says... He spoke this to me a while back. He said, I'm training your hands for battle and your fingers for war. And my next thought was, I don't want to get that close to the enemy. Can I launch a nuke at him? I want him over there. And I want you to carpet bomb him, Lord. But if you look all through scripture, and it wasn't just cultural, I think it's a real understanding Even Paul said in another book, speaking of the city of Ephesus, Ephesians, he said, I have wrestled the beasts of Ephesus. There were such strong demonic strongholds over that city. And I'm telling you, I came from another area of the country that did not have the strongholds this little tiny area Florida has over it i traveled all over the world. I could be flying into Mexico City to spend five months ministering and doing medical outreaches and evangelism that we did for years, for eight straight years, or Cairo, Egypt. And, man, you could get down below the cloud cover and start to land in that city, and I could feel the darkness over that city. God didn't send me here to play patty cake with the devil. He sent me here to lead a church, a called-out, separated people, to intercede on behalf of this area where even other people in the country will look and say, look what the Lord has done. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be drug addicted people walk in. You better just buckle up. I've been saying it for years, but I'm, what I'm telling you is we're getting close and the closer you get to the answer. And the reason God puts you in a place, the more intense the battle gets. If you're on the front lines of a battle and the bullets are whizzing by you, and trust me, they've been whizzing by me a lot lately, it actually fills me with hope more than anything else because the battle always gets more, most intense before the victory's won. And I'm telling you tonight to begin to clutch and hang on to your hope, begin to stir your faith, begin to fast and pray. Begin to intercede for me and my family in this church in this area and the people here. Because I'm telling you that I'm telling you the best is right around the corner. It's going to be, we're not going to have to take everybody through, you know, 12 months of trying to get free from stuff. They're going to walk on this property and God's going going to begin to set them free. Are you listening to me? I said buckle up because there are going to be people that don't look like you and act like you and and it may make you a little uncomfortable. We're not a church that's afraid of that, amen? Not at all. It's not the well that need a physician. It's the sick. And I'm tired of seeing the devil just play havoc in people's lives. Tired of seeing him play havoc in my family. And when you take a stand in Ephesians 6, again, the language there is if you're taking a stand against somebody, it means they're really close. It means they're danger close, as the military calls it. If you are going to call in prayer, carpet bombs, you may be right there, (laughs) close enough to see them fall. And I'm telling you, you're in a church tonight, and if you're visiting, you're in a church that will continue to press in, continue to believe God. Continue to believe when everything else even looks like it's not going to happen. And we're lifting up one thing in particular, we're going to pray about this at the end tonight, is our dear sister Lupita, who was given three months to live. I believe God's going to heal her. That's why I say prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you, if you'll join me every Monday, we're going to fast. I do anyway. Join us, and let's believe that God's going to have a miracle in her physical body. How many believe God's stronger than cancer? Either he is or he isn't. Either we believe God or we don't. I just want to tell you tonight, I'm a believer. Do I have any other believers in the house? He's training us to fight greater battles. And that scripture, and and I'll give you the reference tonight, it is um, Psalm 144. But it says, he trains. Everybody say trains. It didn't say trained. It said trains as an ongoing training that we go through, I would love to tell you tonight, you'll pray one prayer, see victory, (laughs) and it's all over. That's not the way the enemy operates. We see that in the life of Jesus himself. When the enemy couldn't defeat him in 40 days in the desert, it says, and he left for a more opportune time. If you don't think the enemy is watching you and evaluating and looking where he may be able, and this isn't a This isn't a message tonight to try to get you to fear. It's a message tonight to wake us up, maybe even stir us up fresh and anew, that there is an enemy out there that lurks. There's an enemy out there that crouches at the door, the Bible says. That's, you know, sin. But he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. Thank you, Lord. God is showing us That he is our source for everything. Everything. God is to be our source. One of the biggest favors God could do in any believer's life is is show us where we're connected into things that are not the source. And the church for so long has used natural abilities and people who can fluently get up and wow a crowd and the lights and the smoke And if the guitar player can play Bethel songs, it doesn't matter how he's living off the stage. It just matters what his talent is. Can I tell you, that ain't this church. Because how we live is important to God. Look at Luke 13, and I want to just share these things with you briefly tonight that I believe will encourage you and challenge us. And we're going to spend a few minutes tonight. This is what the Lord told me, for this church to pray a prayer of consecration. Consecration is just praying God would evaluate our hearts. Say, God, why am I I in this? Why am I even doing what I'm doing? Whatever your job, if you're retired in here or you work in the school system or you, whatever it is, you, you know, a plumber or whatever, that's your mission field. And God has prepared you and will continue to prepare you to be in your mission field. Luke 13, verse 6. This is a parable of the Lord Jesus. And to remind you, as I've said many times, but in case you weren't here one of the times I said it, in any parable that Jesus gives, there's usually either three characters or three things that he can point out. And we're supposed to find ourselves in one of those three things. So a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. So what is the significance of that passage? And even maybe perhaps the season you're in personally or the season we're in as a church. Number one is you don't plant a fig tree in a vineyard. You don't plant a fig tree in a vineyard. Fig trees normally didn't belong in vineyards because what are vineyards? Vineyard, wine was the greatest commodity of the culture, of that one of the greatest commodities, and they would plant vineyards on, on terraced hillsides. It was a lot of hard work to plant these. It was a lot of work to keep them safe from insects and people who wanted to steal. We see that in the in the book of Judges with Gideon. They, you know, the Philistines would come in and steal everything and run off and the reason that the fig tree and I think this is what God is speaking to us as a church and me personally and I'll share it with you. The reason that the fig tree was planted in the vineyard wasn't because it was spectacular. The grapes and the wine was spectacular. The reason that they planted fig trees in vineyards was because of its consistency. Everybody say consistency. The reason that this is shown out is because a a fig tree would have been a very beautiful tree naturally. The leaves... Would have been pretty to look at and it would have been nice to, to just say, wow, look, look how nice that is. But everybody was naturally drawn to the, the, the grapes because it's a vineyard and they're looking at the grapes. And man, I can't wait to drink some wine from the grapes. In this story, fig trees didn't belong in vineyards. But the reason he brings up a fig tree is because the fig tree was supposed to be consistent in its fruit. And that leads me to point one tonight in our lives, is are you consistently growing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are you consistently showing and, 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 and having... I'll, I'll say this, and, and you know this, I think. The fruit of the Spirit was never meant for you. It was meant for other people, Right? In other words, people when they come to you and people when they experience you should always see something of the Spirit in and around you because you're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. And it wasn't about the spectacular. It was about the consistency of the fruit that it would consistently grow and people could enjoy. And in this story, they come to it and there's no fruit on it. In other words, it was taking up a lot of room in the vineyard and there was no fruit to show for the fertilizing and the care and the work that was done in taking care of it and evaluating it and doing all these things. And when they would come to it, all it would be was leaves and no fruit. And I really think that's an example of the church today in the United States of America. I'm telling you the truth tonight. I don't want that to be truth of my life. Man, don't I, don't I look good? <laughs> when God comes looking for fruit in our lives, a lot of times we want to show him our pretty leaves. God, look how look how I can raise my hands in worship. God, look how I can jump around. Look at what I do over here. And we're kind of diverting from what the master is looking for. Because the master is looking, God is looking for fruit in his church. He's looking for the fruit and the consistency. It's not about the spectacular. It's not about the wow. And I think the church in America especially has gotten so caught up in personalities and so caught up in the, in other words, most people that will be looking for a church that move into this area, and a lot of them are coming from, you know, other places and many people we have one and I know he wouldn't mind me saying this because he stole other people they came from one of the largest churches in Atlanta in the United States of America I mean when I say large this church is probably 25 to 30,000 people and then you find yourself in Homeless House of Florida <laughs> at Christian Center but he told me something and he was so honest when he told me this has been quite a while since last fall He said, man, you know, it's impressive. And I'm not knocking large churches. Everybody hear what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm saying that most of the people that walk through doors of churches are looking to be entertained, not changed by the Spirit of God. In other words, they want to show off their leaves. But where's the fruit? And he flat told me, he said, I grew up in a spirit-filled church. And went about my career and went to college and settled in Atlanta had my own business and did all this that and the other. And he said, I had not cried in the presence of the Lord for years until I walked into this building. Church, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about him. Because if you look at, the, if you look at a tree that's planted in a vineyard, what, it, what we should be is consistent in the fruit of the Spirit. We should be consistent in praying for God's presence to be here in our midst because I can't change anybody, but he can. That's the fruit. I can't, I can't heal anybody, but he can. I wonder, and I had this thought when I was driving here tonight, somebody always has to pay the price to see freedom for somebody else. Right? We live in the best country in the world. Because we enjoy freedom, at least right now, (laughs) right? Somebody paid for that. I guess I'm just asking a group of people that the call from the Holy Spirit has gone out. Will you give like never before? Will you pray like never before? And will you fast like never before? Because it's our choice. Just like the tree that's in the vineyard, God eventually does show up. And he does come, and he comes to churches, and I think he's already come to the church of Jesus in America, and I think the Lord has looked and said, "But where's the fruit?" I didn't say that we were we able to export some of the best worship around. At least it's, it sounds so good, and it's so. I'm not saying that we've not been able to build beautiful buildings and all those kind of things. I'm talking about fruit that remains. I want to say this too. In the story, a fig tree in Israel in that day, very well known. If you study the scripture out and just kind of get all the things going on around what Jesus is saying in this parable. If you're a baby Christian, I want you to just breathe a big sigh of relief. Because fig trees didn't bear fruit for three years. So this wasn't a young fig tree. So allow me to say to those who are babes in Christ, you keep applying yourself to the Lord, applying yourself to church, get with believers, don't beat yourself up if it's the seventh time you've fallen, because God says the righteous fall seven times, but the Lord will raise him up, amen? Cut yourself some slack, but let me talk to those senior people, including myself in the room tonight. There is a danger to us being fruitless and useless in the kingdom of God. I'm not preaching a hard I'm preaching the truth to you tonight. And that's why the church in America is in the condition that it's in, is because we don't preach the truth. We preach what people leave saying, Wow, wasn't that great. But it doesn't change lives. It's not fruit. It's not fruitful. So in this story, understand that there comes a time. And I think that's part of the season that I've walked through in my own life, through the fires and difficulties and trials, many reasons. But I think at the, at the end of the day, God is evaluating and saying, okay, I want, I want fruit. I want, I want to see fruit come through your life. And in this parable, Jesus is giving what the kingdom of God is like. And so often that when God comes around evaluating, we just want to show our shiny leaves. Another place that Jesus was walking towards the end of his ministry and before he went to the cross, he went to a fig tree because, and amazing, it says, and it wasn't the time for figs. It's like, why were you looking for figs when it wasn't time for figs? It's because when you're planted in God and by the river of his word and by the river of prayer and by the river of giving and the river of fasting, your your leaf will not wither and you will bear fruit in every season. There's a much deeper truth there that we miss sometimes that when God comes around, you say, yeah, God, I'm not bearing fruit right now because you don't know how hard it is at work. God, I'm not bearing fruit right now because you don't know how crazy my kids are. God, I'm not bearing fruit right now because you don't know how those people at Christian Center Church just, no, I'm kidding. God, I'm not bearing fruit right now because, you know, I've, I, I've, You know, that that whole pandemic thing was just so hard on me, and I lost things, and I lost loved ones. And listen to me, we all could tell those stories. But I came tonight to tell you that Jesus wants to see fruit in my life, and he wants to see fruit in your life. That's what he said. He's evaluating the church. He's evaluating this church. He's evaluating us. Then the vineyard owner goes on to say this, let me fertilize it. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Yeah. That's what that's a picture of. And just as just as it should impact us to say God expects fruit and he does from his church and fruit from our lives and fruit from our families. The beautiful part of this is the vineyard, the 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 master comes and the vineyard uh, worker says, "Let me fertilize." In other words, he says, and and I thank God he's like this or I wouldn't even be standing here today. He says, give it space for grace. Everybody say space for grace. grace. Ezra 9 verse 8. But now for a brief moment, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us an escaped remnant and to give us a peg in his holy place. That our God may enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. And I'm so thankful God gives grace. Listen. Listen. It is in God's nature to build you up, not tear you down. That is God's nature. So what is God doing, perhaps, in the season that you're in? I know in my season, he's fertilizing me. Never been around fertilizer? It doesn't smell good, does it? Mm. So he gives a solution, and this is the solution tonight before we pray. The keeper of the vineyard, the helper, fertilizes it. So the one who has been delegated the authority over the vineyard says, let's give it space for grace. This thing probably would have been six or more years old because there wouldn't have been an expectation of fruit. I think we're too hard on new baby Christians sometimes, people who struggle with different things. But listen, if you've struggled with something for years and you know God put his finger on it, It's no longer a mess up. It's a decision. And he says, let me fertilize it. And the principle found is this. God is merciful. Aren't you thankful for that? But God, according to this, has a timeline set upon giving us the room to wake up and to realize that we aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing. And he does finally come around and and expect. We don't have that that understanding of God. We don't have the understanding that God God expects the vineyard was cared for, the tree was fertilized. I'm telling you, if you've been in this church for years and you enjoy coming in and the presence of God is here and you're enjoying all the different things of, of God, God expects a return on the investment that he gives. That's very clear in the Bible. God expects a return on investment. So my question is tonight as we evaluate our lives, God, what area do you want me to focus on? And I'm telling you, it all comes back to prayer, to fasting, and to giving. Those are the keys of the kingdom. Those are the the keys that will unlock the breakthrough in your life. The solution is to finally come to an understanding that this has never been about you and what you can get, but it's about consistently, the consistency of the fig tree was why it was there. It's about the consistently using what God has given and what you have been blessed with, because the church in America has been about what can I get out of this when God designed this thing about what you can give into it. And we've missed that. We've missed that in our spiritual lives. So the solution is God gives space for grace. And he begins to woo us. He begins to speak to us. He begins to challenge us. And he's wanting a response to consecrate ourselves and say, God, I do believe there is something right around the corner. Even though I'm walking through the valley. Even though I'm walking through the fire like Meshach and Abednego. Maybe I'm in the lion's den. And just like I said that faith is a muscle... When Daniel finally ended up in the lions den and we do this, don't I've done this. I've done this and God's teaching me differently even after 25 years of walking with him. Jason Quit praying emergency prayers. When Daniel finally got in the lions den, he would have been eaten alive, but for a very important part of the scripture in the chapter right before he gets put in And they said, you can't go pray to your God. It said he went back to his room and he knelt down as he had done before. So there was a consistency in the life of Daniel that bore out in the deliverance that finally came through his prayers in the lion's den. But we wait till we get and a lion is like wrapped around us and. Chomping at our neck. And can I tell you something about our God? He will even rescue you then because he's good and he's merciful and he loves you. But sometimes God never even wanted you to end up in the lion's den. He wanted you to kill the lion outside the lion's den and kill the bear out there before you ever had to get to that place. And it comes with the consistency of having the prayer life and the fasting life. In the the giving life that God wants us to give. And I'm not talking about money tonight. I'm talking about your time, talent, and treasures. If you're not sowing those things into the things that will last for eternity, you are wasting your life. Can I say it again? You are wasting your time and your life if you are not living. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven is like this vineyard. And there's a tree that was planted there for its consistency, not just for the beauty of it, but the fact that it would be able to feed others and to do for others. And when the master finally looked and said, man, I've been working with this thing. I've been challenging this thing. I've been walking with this tree. And it's finally never going to wake up and respond to what I have been fertilizing it with. Then there comes that time that God says, I'm expecting something from this. Amen? True spiritual success is simply defined as this, in a church, in a family, in your individual life. True spiritual success is defined, in my opinion, where the Spirit of God is at work. Because I've found there's so many things that I can do on my own, but God has put me in circumstances. And this this is awesome. This is fertilizer. When you finally get into a circumstance or a place where you just say, there's nothing I can do about this. I mean, you take the situation with our dear sister Lupita, just for instance, and I know, again, she wouldn't mind. hugged her last night, been praying for her, and I invite everybody to pray. But there's some things that you can't do anything about, and that's when we we don't shrink back, we step up. And we face the enemy for even somebody else head on. Amen? Stand with me tonight. That's what the Lord told me was through the the prayer of consecration. And consecration is just being set apart of this fig tree was set apart for a purpose in the vineyard. And that prayer of consecration is just a fresh, fresh commitment to the Lord to say, God, you've set me apart for your purposes. So there's some things that I can't be involved in, there's some things that I can't do, there's some things that I I tell you what a, a big one is, is there's some ways you just shouldn't and can't act. Mm-hmm. Can't run people off the road. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I told you all that's why I took the Christian Center Church sticker off the back of my car. <laughs> Serious. I'm serious. But when I evaluate my life and you evaluate your life, when God evaluates any of our lives or church, he's looking for fruit. And he said, fruit that remains. In the dry seasons, in the difficult seasons, in the seasons where, again, you shouldn't even, you would say to God, I shouldn't even be bearing fruit right now at this stage in my life. Listen to me. For us to reach this community, we're all going to have to be on the same page. That we are going to take up the keys that have already been provided. And that is the keys of prayer. Stand up and start praying like never before. If we want to make a difference in this community, it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take pulling down things that the enemies had set up for, for a long time. And it's going to take Fasting. It's denying yourself so your spirit can rise up. And it's going to take giving. Can we pray a prayer of consecration at the end tonight? Man, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Jesus. Father, I and this church respond to the vision. We respond to your voice. We respond to your word tonight here in the book of luke lord jesus where you gave a warning to your people certainly in the context father it was about the nation of israel but lord we take this and we apply it to our culture and our day today father that even in the days of israel you were expecting them to be a light to the nation's You were expecting them to be a set-apart, sanctified people, your own special people that you could love and bless and lavish your kindness and goodness on. But, Lord, we're much like them. We go our own way. We, We selfishly choose our own path many times. We selfishly, Lord, live for ourselves. And when we're living for ourselves, we can't bear the fruit of the kingdom. Lord, when we take up your word that says, if you will lose your life for my sake, you will find it. God, we consecrate ourselves and say, Lord, once again, we will lose this world and all of its stuff. We will even lose our own name so that we can bear the name of Jesus and be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Lord, we consecrate ourselves to do these three simple things tonight. That, Lord, we will pray like never before. We will intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters who have sickness in their body. Father, we lift up Lupita right now to you. And continually, according to your word, that you said, I am the God who heals you. By your word that says, by His stripes, we were healed. Jesus. Lord, we're consecrating ourselves to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people around us. Let the fruit of the Spirit, let the gifts of the Spirit. But Lord, most of all, we consecrate ourselves in this house. To say, God, we don't want to put you in a box and say, wow, look how beautiful he is. And then turn around and walk out these doors and forget that you want to go with us. That you want to empower us. That, Lord, you want to move in this place in a deeper way like never before. So, God, we erase those boundary lines that myself or anybody else in here has put upon you. And we say, Jesus... Be Lord over this church. Be Lord over Homosassa, Florida. Lord, you said the harvest is ripe. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he sent laborers into the harvest. Lord, we consecrate ourselves to be laborers. We consecrate ourselves to be givers, to be fasters, and to be prayers. We take this seriously tonight, Lord, and we hear your voice, and we respond to it. We thank you for space for grace. We thank you, Lord, that you come along and you lovingly speak and fertilize us with your word. Let tonight be fertilizer to our soul and our heart that we may follow you in all your ways and take up our cross daily and follow you so that we can be fruitful in the kingdom of God and his Christ. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord. And be blessed. Nobody's told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you.